Good morning, good afternoon, possibly good evening, depending on when you like to watch or listen to your podcast. Uh, I am Lance Malden, a.k.a. Uh, Uticus Knockout. This is Uticus Knockout Audio. Uh, perhaps you like to listen to your podcast um, sitting down on a walk, on a run. Or maybe you like to sit in your office, volume high, right when the pastor comes in and immediately try to turn it down as fast as you can. Uh, Maybe that's like you. Uh, Today's topic is joys of pastoral ministry. This is our first podcast with a varying guest. And I'm so excited that I have encouraged my pastor, Pastor Dr. Reverend Kenneth McNeil, to be on this one. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I'm glad to be a part. Thank you, Lance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to start start this podcast off, if I can pull my phone up quick enough. I want to start this morning off with some scripture. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willing, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it's a great way to start this podcast because I have you on here. Um, and so in exhorting elders, I am very, uh, I feel very blessed that you've been a part of my life. And I'm just excited that we get to share our joys of ministry with um fellow like-minded believers, and a lot of this will probably be seen by our church, our church family, uh, and so I'm excited. Okay, so the first question I have for you is just to share a little bit about who you are, share your upbringing, where you're from. Um, let's just start with that. Where are you from? Seagrove, North Carolina. Which is approximately 20-ish minutes That's north right. of here. Mm-hmm. So 20 minutes north. close proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, your parents are? Carl. And Eula McNeil. My dad's passed on to go be with Jesus in 1995. Hmm. My mother's still living and doing pretty well. And what did your dad do? For many years, my dad worked uh, in uh, textiles, Klopman Mills, when textiles were big in state of North Carolina. Worked third shift, and uh, mom would be at home with my brother and I. And then he... <clears throat> Did some other things and uh, ended up there at Ashbury Concrete for many years. And supervised mm-hmm. truck drivers and looked after various things, and maintenance on the trucks. Then eventually, 1983, went into business for himself. He and my brother <coughs> and my mom and uh, my brother's wife, McNeil's Frames, which still in operation. Yeah, okay. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the middle son. I have an older brother, Gene, and a younger brother, Brent. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And I've met Brent. Right. I don't think I've met. Right. Um, Gene primarily Gene, runs okay. and owns and operates the business. Yeah. Okay. Gene and I grew up close together. We were like two days being a year apart in age. Okay. 
And so my dad would say, you know, we had two before we knew what was causing it. Mm-hmm. My dad had a kind of a keen sense of humor. And uh, and then my younger brother came on uh, 14 years younger than I. Wow. So I tell him that that's why he turned out so good, because I got to help <laughs> raise him. And, and your mom, Eula, she, she basically was around the house. Yeah, well... Yeah. Early in the early years, she was preschool years. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> she and dad both are really, really hard working people. Mm. My mom's mother, Dora Crisco, died when my mom was about 13. She says she kind of became, or she was 12 or 13, she kind of became the biscuit maker. Mm. And her dad, Emmett Rowe Albright, raised seven children by himself. I think that was. Certainly formative for my mom and influenced the way she lives life and how she approaches things. But uh, with the seven kids, they raised tobacco. My grandpa turned pottery, and he worked in textiles, and uh, was just a really hardworking fellow. Yeah. I think that shows through your whole family, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, yeah. There's a strong, a deep work ethic on yeah. both sides. Yeah. Uh, so talk about yeah. Sherry a little bit. When yeah. did you meet Sherry? Who is your wife? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Sherry, uh, we met when uh, technically I saw her at a ball game. I was thinking, and when you was, you said you were going to ask me about family yeah. stuff. Uh, I saw Sherry. <clears throat> uh, I must have been about thirteen, and we were had church softball teams. Mm. I saw her in the other dugout, and she was keeping records for the <laughs> other team. And she's, of course, a math whiz anyway. Mm. But I remember seeing her and I think how cute she was. I was about 13, so she would have been about you know about 10 or 11 probably. But then we officially met. Were you playing ball? Years later, I was keeping the book too. Books. Oh, it okay. Or not, right. I'm terrible with math. But, yeah. <laughs> but I was playing, kind of part-time playing, second string stuff, mm-hmm. and keeping keeping the book too. Anyway, so that's the first time I saw her. But then we met uh, at a summer camp some years later. I was 15, and uh, she was 12. And uh, my good friend Michael Bean uh, invited me to go to a Christian camp that my wife Sherry's dad was operating for the summer, <clears throat> or had put on a few weeks in the summer. Anyway, we were there together, and I met her there, and uh, was immediately drawn to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could go on, and I got lots and lots yeah. of stories. That's part of the dilemma yeah. of this <laughs> podcast is thirty minutes, and I got stories. Well, we were we were sharing stories, mm-hmm. you know, just about. You know, kind of the hardships. I mean, some of the, like how deep, like ministry stories can go, and how real it gets, like really quick. And yeah, uh, yeah. so for this one, we're not going to share many of those. We're going to be sharing the joys of ministry. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, Sherry, she works for Modern Woodman now. Yeah, that's right. And she's how long a, she been with Modern she's Woodman? A financial consultant there. Yeah. With Modern Woodman and does investments in insurance yeah. and all kinds of things and. Mm-hmm. And does the income tax work as well. She's real smart. And I've got more degrees, but she's the smart one. Yeah. Mm. Or the formal degrees. She's so, got a lot of certifications. But, yeah, it's um, it's interesting looking back at those years in, uh, in family life. And uh, I think until I was in my uh, – probably in the – when I did the D-men work in uh, – you know, four through 2007, I did not realize really fully how much those formative years, mm. I knew they were important, and I, we call them formative years for a reason, but in your family of origin, I did not quite 
see as much of the depth until, say, 06, 07. Yeah. We did some st- stuff at D-Men work in the, at Campbell called uh, Family of Origin and Therapy. Mm. Well, we really yeah. talked a lot about our childhoods and our how things were growing up. Yeah. The good stuff, the bad stuff, the painful stuff. Mm. And um, even now, after close to 40 years in pastoral ministry, um, I realize that uh, those formative years impact and have have impacted how I do ministry, how I've done ministry, how I do ministry even now. Yeah. So mm. lest we run past that first question too quickly. Yeah, well, I think I did. I jumped ship right there, but I was going to ask. That's all right. You met, you met when you were 15. Yeah. Right, and she was 12 or 12. 13. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then you got married. 1982, after we had been had dated about approximately five years. Five years. So how old yeah. were you then? Uh, Sherry was 18. I was 21 when we got married. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so she, her father was a pastor, of course. You've known her home. for a long time. I've known time. Sherry wow. a long time. <clears throat> and she is a key disciple person in my life, no question yeah. about it. Yeah. She influenced me more for Jesus and in Jesus mm. and all these years. and. Mm. I say Jesus saved my soul, and he did. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Praise him. But she saved my life. Yeah. Mm. And she discipled me, put up with me all these years. Mm. And uh, we don't have a perfect relationship. Yeah. But we really do have a good relationship. <laughs> um, <coughs> and then I know Sherry's dad was also a pastor yeah. as well. Yeah. Reverend Garland Hall, yeah, he was a good man, pastor. To, I know altogether, you know, for over 50 years, he was a one church Thirty plus years. Yeah. Wow. Praise uh, God. Sherry can awesome. give you the exact details mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. But uh, the uh, it's fascinating is uh, to think. It's fascinating to think about how much your childhood years really do influence mm. you for the remainder of your life. Mm. I used to hear that I would kind of run past it or I read it and I'd run past it and say okay, but now it's so sobering. Yeah. After all these years, mm. I'm 63 now. Yeah. I'll be 64 in September. But after all these years, now I put my finger on that. Mm. Formative years, and I try to encourage parents to really, really think about these years when children are in the home. Yeah. All the mm. folks who make up that network for children and young people. And mm. Of course, we have some issues in the culture now that that are of, you know, of great concern, a lot of challenges mm. and parental challenges and a lot of debate about various kinds yeah. of things. But it is worth noting uh, in a podcast like this where you're looking at the joys of pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. it really is worth the, t- the time to take the time with me or anyone else. Yeah, you know, that I think you'll yeah. interview Lance. And by the way, I'm very proud of the work you're doing with the podcast. But um, it's worth settling in and helping and allowing your guest, like me, who oh, yeah. will be interviewed to yeah. to spend a little time. And uh, I've given some, even yesterday, I spent mm. some time thinking about family of yeah. origin stuff and, and home stuff. It's mm. it's worthwhile. It it's is, a, yeah. yeah. It's some of the, uh, I had one of the professors years ago who said that, he asked the question, do you bless your family roots? I said, what in the world is he talking about? Mm. He said, do you bless your family roots? Yeah. I had another Dr. Hester who would say, uh, let's start the course this way. Uh, try to remember your first experience of helping someone. Mm. He challenged us to wow. remember our first memory. What was your first memory? Mm. And uh, and I do know what my first yeah. memory was, reaching mm. up to get a hold of the refrigerator door on an old General Electric refrigerator that we had in our home that lasted for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. 
um, little almond colored refrigerator reaching as high as I could and I could reach the bottom of the handle it was like a, a u-handle on the door oh, yeah mm-hmm. that was my earliest memory and then working through what was my but he asked what was your earliest memory of helping did yeah. you remember that and one that's too? the next okay yeah. thing that I had yeah. to work with and you okay. know it was more like second grade yeah that I would pinpoint mm. and then uh, amazing to consider that and think about those simple things mm. that are part of your journey that took place at such a young age yeah. Uh, I think it's hard for us to overemphasize as a pastor or any leader in any you know setting where you're teaching or helping folks grow. Yeah. Um, those formative years. Well, you got family of origin. Your degree was in like what'd you get your doctorate in? Well, we spent a lot of time with with uh, uh, family stuff. The underpinnings. Yeah. Of, of my doctor was yeah. family systems. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then the specific mm-hmm. uh, application of it that was a project that had to do with parents. Yeah. I had about okay. uh, 12 parents involved in a particular project mm-hmm. was implemented and took them through a series of, of challenges to well, implement. Well, I just know you do a lot of biblical, yeah. biblical counseling. Yeah. The challenge was to see, yeah. help them implement, to be a catalyst for them implementing in their homes. Mm. At least a family worship once a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the challenge. Yeah. And, of course, the major discovery was that parents do very well, generally, if they're challenged mm. and equipped, but if there's accountability. Mm. But the three-month post-findings were that after three towards six months, without the accountability piece, without other parents helping hold them accountable, mm. accountable it was hard for them to really maintain a regular weekly family worship who was holding accountable was it the other parents or was it okay that's the piece of the project that i had not implemented Mm. was follow-up yeah the follow-up's a big deal yeah uh, with parents christian parents or um, unbelievers and of course so it is on our journey as individual disciples Uh, uh, that's that's the case but i think uh one one of the big factors in uh, the related to the joys of pastoral mm-hmm. ministry is uh, that it's placed deep inside of you, out of your family of origin. Mm-hmm. That ministry could be a trap for the lazy or a trap for the workaholic, mm-hmm. and that comes out of your your deep deep roots. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad worked worked, and when I got done working, they worked mm-hmm. some more. Yeah. And they expected us to hmm. work and then work some more, and that's, of course, what we do. Therefore, I bring to the table a good work ethic. Ministry, hmm. a good work <laughs> ethic, but an unhealthy work ethic because hmm. technically I have been a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Lord is delivering me from that, mm-hmm. but it's, he's yeah. been patient with me a long, long time. But others suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Others suffer yeah. when we allow like an acceptable it's kind of like an acceptable vice to be a workaholic Mm -hmm. oh that's not so bad yeah that's not like other Mm -hmm. addictions that are so destructive but they don't realize that it's like destroying the family destroying the household yeah yeah Yeah. and uh, and though i bless my Mm. family roots and i bless the fact that my parents taught me to work Mm -hmm. if you want to accomplish something or you want to have something you get out there and get it Mm -hmm. and that's what my dad would say and i bless that i'm very grateful for that Mm. but at the same time um, <clears throat> we work to live. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. we don't live to work. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and I've struggled true. with that. And years ago, I would yeah. say, when I was a young man, I'd say, "Oh my goodness, I'll, I'll I've always been hyperactive. I will, uh, I'll rest uh, when I get old. <laughs> I'll take a nap when I get yeah. in my sixties. Well, yeah. I'm there now, and I've had some <laughs> health well, <you're> problems. 60. <laughs> I'm sixty three. Yeah. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I just seem so young. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd made <laughs> yeah, it, at least made it's it to hard 45. when you're young, you feel young, mm. and you're good looking, and you just, mm. you know, yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I will affirm what, what you were saying because uh, you recommended a guy for me to go see, and one of the first things that we talked about, pretty much 80% of the stuff we talked about had to do with me uh, my lifestyle in the past, mm. like what what was kind of the 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 root of what was going on, mm. and he just wanted to know about my family, wanted to know about our history, yeah, wanted to know what was going on, it, and it had to stem with some stuff that I dealt with way back when. Sure, yeah, absolutely, and it was just healthy just to sit down and talk about it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. truth in that. Yeah, you can do that. Dig around, scratch around. And, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we uh, when we did uh, family of. We did uh, emotional family of origin therapy. We called yeah. it. Uh, it was very, very emotional, mm. and uh, it was just. Uh, I remember being in our small group of three of us that did the mutual accountability thing, and we would sweat. All, all of us would be like <laughs> have sweat running down the side of our face mm. you know, in a cool classroom setting, and uh, very emotional to take that heavy, hard stuff mm. out. Yeah. and hold it and look yeah. at it and analyze and then st- you know stick it back mm-hmm. in yeah and uh so mm-hmm. so to speak but it was really worthwhile mm-hmm. and out of that i still contend that if we take time to really examine back there we don't live there we don't mm-hmm. dwell there but to examine and analyze mm-hmm. our origins <clears throat> those people who influence us in our former especially former years mm-hmm. if we do that uh we know ourselves better yeah more deeply and the more the more we know ourselves mm. the more we get to know ourselves and are just mm. be honest with ourselves and with god uh we we are able to minister to others mm-hmm. yeah. uh that was uh, it was quite a after all these years that was a very healthy thing for mm. me uh to to go through that that process mm-hmm. um be hard to, it would be hard to overemphasize that as I think about the joys mm. of pastoral ministry. Yeah. It would be it would be hard to mm. overemphasize mm. how that the platform mm-hmm. for ministry is is really set yeah. in those in those early years. Mm. Um the uh even think about things that you know we even growing up things we did like my brother and I we did, uh, and some of the folks my age will remember this, but Bazooka Bubblegum, I guess they're still around, but Bazooka Bubblegum had a contest mm-hmm. or a, a thing where <clears throat> if you bought their bubblegum, it was wrapped and it had a little cartoon inside the wrappings of it. It was yeah. a square piece of gum about an inch by a half inch. Uh, and it was just, we'd take the wrappers off, we'd read little cartoons in it. And if you saved those things, the wrappers off those, you could a certain amount of them you could mail in to the Bazooka Bubblegum Company, and you could get a Barlow pocket knife. Oh, well, and well hello. That's what me and my uh, wow. brother Gene did. And of course, we hmm. were real, we were real close growing up because we were close in age. Did lots of things together. Anyway, long story short, we did send in enough wrappers. I think it was like forty wrappers. We mailed them in to wow. the company. 
So that's 40 and individual sticks of gum you had to buy? Uh, yeah, 40 okay. pieces of yeah. bubble gum. Yeah. yeah. And at that time, it was probably a half cent per, okay. per piece in that range. Anyway, we sent them in and uh, <clears throat> waited. We go to the mailbox and for a whole week, you know, was there at the mailbox every day. So after about a week, we were like, okay, there, this ain't, these things aren't coming. But about four or five weeks later, we went to the mailbox, you know, and voila, there they were. We were thrilled, hmm. absolutely thrilled with the fact that we successfully had a Barlow pocket knife <laughs> each. Okay, each. Mine was brown so, and his okay. was black. Okay. And See, y'all didn't like collaborative. Let's get, I about to say, that it probably wouldn't take as long. That's, but That's my first pocket knife. Wow. Ever. So Barlow thrilled Barlow. with that, those uh, pocket knives. And our, our dad was thrilled too down. because hmm. that was our weed eater. We didn't have a weed eater. So oh, dad yeah. said, you guys get the yard cleaned up. You know, clean up around these trees. Hmm. And I'll do some more and stuff. And so we took our Barlow pocket knives and we held them between our index finger and thumb mm-hmm. and we weed-eated it around the trees. Wow. And made things look look good. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so... I, now they have... It was a lot like Weed-eater spray. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have lots of means for, for, for doing that kind of thing. But that's... That's a shaping thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lifelong shaping thing. Mm. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, and I got to, as I tell you sometimes, yeah. you know, I got so many stories mm-hmm. now. It's like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> just stories and good and bad and mm. ugly. Yeah. But um, but I, I do thank God for uh, mm. uh, I never went to bed hungry. As you think about your family roots, I I don't know what that would be like. Mm. Um, I had some disappointments in childhood with, you know, some individuals who, you know, mm. had some struggles in different in different ways. Uh, but um, <coughs> influence, great, great influence. Uh, my dad played the guitar a little bit, mm. and he called it making music. Yeah. And uh, he had some buddies who loved to make music, and they they liked to sip one. Mm. Sometimes, okay. And I looked forward to those times when my dad would play the guitar. It was a relaxed time. We weren't working. It mm-hmm. was actually kind yeah. of fun. Yeah. And uh, so, his buddies, who also were kind of musicians, they liked to have a cold one. And uh, my mom liked the music, but sometimes the cold ones, maybe too many cold ones mm-hmm. in one music yeah. session. Yeah. But during that, um, during those years. Um, uh, my dad showed me a few chords on the guitar and mm-hmm. whet my appetite, but I was so hyper. I could not stay still long enough Couldn't to really stay with it long. Okay. I did learn a few yeah. chords and that kind of thing. Um, but I did learn to clog. Has I Greg not tried to get you to play guitar here yet? <laughs> I played a song one time here. Did you? And, okay. uh, he said the other day that he thought, or, you know about Greg, our yeah, worship yeah, pastor. Yeah. 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 He said he thought that was pretty good. Sherry and I did a song one time, mm. one that I, had written and she and I did together. Anyway, um, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's just interesting to think about all those influences and mm. impacting yeah. and the impact of that years later. Um, the uh, the the music making part of childhood. In fact, Fiddler's conventions. Are you familiar with what Fiddler's conventions are? I'm guessing it's a convention for fiddlers. 
They still have them occasionally, but many years ago when I was a child, say nine, ten, uh, in fact, I saw my first real fist fight at a fiddler's convention. That's another story oh, for another yeah. time. Hmm. But my dad loved fiddler's convention. He loved good music and bluegrass particularly, uh, guitar, banjo stuff. So local local schools would uh, have fiddler's conventions where they invited local musicians to come in and play hmm. instruments, bands, groups, singles, soloists, and that kind of thing. <clears throat> And we we looked forward to those. He'd say, "We're going to the Fillers Convention now," um, you know, like on a Saturday night, and, and uh, it was sort of a seasonal thing. I believe fall of the year. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I I looked forward to those because my dad knew I liked to clog or kick my feet, mm-hmm. and he'd get in the back rooms where the groups were rehearsing to go out on stage because they were competing with other, against other bands. There'd be a little prize money and trophies. Anyway, uh, some of the guys would be playing, and he'd say, go ahead and kick it off. And I'd kick around and kick around, and cl- I think they call it clogging. I think what I was doing was clogging. Anyway, was first, that was a, a unique experience. The uh, They would throw dollar bills at my feet, and the harder I would kick, I was probably 9 or 10 years old, the more dollar <laughs> bills they would throw. Yeah. So I'd pick up a little... Uh, few dollar bills mm-hmm. at fiddler's convention okay. but that's a real fun yeah. uh, real fun memory from growing up i don't know what all that has to do with <laughs> the, the joys of uh what of, stuck uh, out in your mind a ministry a good story. sticks out in my mind yeah and uh, and i'm getting older now and i love to go down memory lane sometimes oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. these things are, are special um so yeah. before we get into some specific joyous stories of ministry um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know a lot of your family, including your kids. So mm-hmm. share a little bit about your kids. Right. Yeah. Well, Sherry and I were married in 1982 and uh, finished up our undergrad at Campbell. And we wanted to have children early on, decided to wait five years. And we did wait five years. And uh, Travis was born in 87. So Travis is our oldest. Mm-hmm. Then Kanisha, her daughter. And then we had two other sons, Jared and Zeb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been and are uh, a great joy to us. Mm-hmm. The um, God has just really, really blessed our children, mm-hmm. and I give I give Sherry a lot of credit because I was a lot of years running back and forth to school and pastoring and <clears throat> um, long days and short nights, and she held the line. At home, and I admire her for that. She helped So, but Jared, Kanisha, um, Travis, Kanisha, Jared, and Zeb yeah. in that order. I keep order. forgetting Travis is older yeah. than Kanisha. Yeah, Travis is the oldest. Yeah, so from 37 down to 20, age 22. And uh, I'm not too good with details. Wait, know, 22? Yeah, Zeb's uh, 22. Travis is 30. Oh, Zeb, Zeb's 22. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they. I guess that's one of the greatest joys of I, we spend a lot of time in congregational mm-hmm. leadership and rightly so God called us to his people to serve right. them. But, uh, I didn't realize until, you know, maybe middle age, more middle age that, uh, a great, great legacy is what you pour into your, uh, children. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. who are in your home, mm-hmm. who are that you have the time with, yeah. and and uh, there there were time there have been times through the years when I would invest a large amount of time in individuals in the local church mm-hmm. to to a fault. I should have spent more time with uh, my boys, yeah, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they took second place mm. to the congregational yeah. demands. Mm. And much of that was self-inflicted, mm-hmm. um, but quite honestly, um, I uh, I could have done a lot better yeah. at home yeah. uh, with and spent more time mm-hmm. with them. But um, God has really blessed them. Mm-hmm. Very grateful for them, for them to be leaders in local mm-hmm. churches, to be involved in missions and and evangelism, leading and sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> for the cause of Christ, for the gospel, brings me great, mm. brings me great joy. Yeah, um, that would be near the top, if not the top. Mm. If you want to talk about the joys of mm. ministry, yeah. because really, you know, starts start at home. Starts at home. Starts at home. Start yeah. at home. Yeah. And, and I know it's a little bit, a little bit different with pastors because uh, yeah. maybe I'm not trying to, you know, guard you or anything, but like, uh, <laughs> or help your cause. But I know with a lot of jobs, you're able to go mm. work nine to five, come home and. Yeah. Let your hair down a little bit, you know, That's right. pastoral ministry. That's a good point. Wayne. You're really not, not able to do that as much. Of course, I can't do that at all because I don't have any hair up top. But, yeah, I've noticed um, that. Yeah. <laughs> we love you anyway. Yeah, mine, mine migrated, as some people like to say. <laughs> um, mm. But, yeah, it's kind of like having a doctor or, you know, uh, somebody from the medical field. You really don't come home and do that. You see somebody on the side of the road, they're obligated to stop. Sure. You know, if somebody calls you, and I'm sure you've taken calls at midnight earlier in the morning, or you've had to been mm-hmm. like, I got to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. or I got to go to this place and this place, right? And so you really don't get to lay, you know, put your hair down too much. But yeah. sure, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, <clears throat> it's a twenty four seven, and even it's, in a medical practice where you perhaps have a partnership, mm-hmm. uh, for many pastors, you know, there's there's no practice where, you know, you're on call this week and, and yeah. your your partner's on call the next the weekend. Next week, it's yeah. not mm-hmm. not that way, and most. Pastoral settings, mm-hmm. the pastor is, you know, the the individual person. Even right. when there's additional staff, mm-hmm. you know, you, you still you still are pretty much on call. And yeah. it can be a little bit like the dentist whose children has bad teeth. It's yeah, it could. That's mm-hmm. maybe a fair comparison. Yeah. Oh, if you're yeah. not careful, yeah. you can love on everybody and pour mm-hmm. on everybody and mm-hmm. pour into them and mm-hmm. be there for them. And when you get home, you just fall down yeah. in a chair mm-hmm. you're exhausted you don't have as you're, you're prayed out maybe yeah. you've had 50 prayers mm-hmm. with 50 different people or yeah. 20 different groups that day and so you you don't want to mm. you don't feel you have the energy to say yeah. okay son let's pray yeah. but so even in hearing of the, the slight regret saying i should have i would have spent more time oh, for sure. with my boy yeah it's great encouragement knowing that as a pastor or you know even associate pastor wanting to make sure that my first responsibility is at home that's right and this is all kind of secondary i agree with that i sure do even kanisha and i have a running joke now you know she's like 36 i think beautiful hard-working great family good husband they're up south of dc serving in their church and of course she's a works in financial field and he's in the marines but she and i have a kind of a a running thing 
when it gets near Christmas time, sometimes I'll say, I'm thinking about it. I might get you a bicycle for hmm. Christmas. And she always grins and she'll say, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Because it was for several years, uh, she had a little bicycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, it was broke. And that thing sat there broke and sat there broke. And we once in a while would say, we need to fix that bicycle. And, it, and years mm-hmm. passed. I never did fix that bicycle. And, and that's on me. Oh, yeah. She mm. remembers that mm. as a child. So now it's just more like a joke. And she and I yeah. remember that as yeah. a child. Mm. And But down inside, I think, mm. Should have fixed that bicycle. I should have fixed that yeah. bicycle. Mm. I should have let something else go. But I was mm. consumed with, you know, saving the world, yeah. so to speak. And uh, um, it's, a, it's a fine line. And I, that's one of the greatest challenges to... And it is a joy being in ministry and following the Lord's call, but it's a great challenge to find that balance. Mm. Just finding the balance. Um, Time with your family, Mm. time, the congregation, you know, and knowing Mm. when to say no. Yeah. And with workaholic tendencies, I have trouble saying no sometimes. Just, um, I know, I know. For finding that balance, great communication with your spouse, yes, <laughs> and having her as a you know somebody, just having that open line of communication with her, for even her to say, "Hey, you're doing really well at your job, or doing really well at ministry at the church, but it's time for you to minister here and yeah. be a leader here." That's right. Um, That's right. Because my wife's corrected me on that sure. once or twice. Yeah. Well, you can rest <laughs> assured, Sherry and I have been. And we're approaching 40, mm. 42 years of the 43, actually, in March. Now, I mean, let me get the math right on that, because this is 2004. It'll be 42 years, March the 20th, because we were mm. married in 82. Yeah. But, yeah, Eddie Thompson, the state convention, I think he may be retired now from the state convention, but as a consultant, as he counseled pastors and mm. husbands and wives in ministry leadership, uh, he asked that question, um, or prompt our wives who asked us the question, uh, or prompt pastors to ask their wives the question. Let me say that that way. That's the way he asked, "Am I taking care of you? Mm. Am I to for say, pastors to, to ask to their yeah wife. Okay. to say am to your wife, Am I taking care of you? And you can really get an eye opener oh, yeah. mm. as a as a husband." Mm-hmm. If you ask your wife, am I taking care of you? Mm. And to hear the responses of some of the wives, and and sometimes they make the distinction, well, before we were in ministry, you rated maybe an eight on the scale of taking care of me. But mm. since we've been in ministry, maybe a four. And to hear wow. those kinds of mm. things. And, um, Eddie Thompson, a very, mm. very smart fella. Mm. He's got a lot of years of experience and has helped a, helped a ton of us, mm. uh, pastors and ministers um, in that area. But, yeah, finding that balance. And he uh, Some years ago he was doing a retreat called Pastor's Juggling Act. Mm. And I think he may still be doing similar conferences, but good, good stuff. And it's a little bit like that, mm. juggling or if you're not careful, a little bit like spinning plates. Yeah, you, know, mm. you spin this plate, and you're over here and spin this one. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you know, one 
which is bad because I can't do either one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't either. Um, So let's talk about your ministry here at Robbins. And uh, I think, hang on, let me just check. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we may have to wrap it up rather soon, but um, talk about your ministry here. What brought you to? Uh, no, hang on. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about your call to ministry. Oh, Are you yeah. okay? Come talking about yeah, that? that's fine. Yeah, let's sure. talk about your your calling to ministry and what mm-hmm. that looked like. Sure. Well, the uh, the call to ministry. Um, it's kind of for me. It was kind of a painful ride. Um, the Lord brought Sherry into my life. Of course, she's been the key disciple person in my life. Jesus saved my soul, and he used her to save my life. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm impulsive. Years ago, I was really impulsive, very hyper, and um, she just helped settle me mm-hmm. in the faith. And her, her roots were deep in Jesus, mm-hmm. very deep in Jesus when I met her. At age six, she began to pray for the husband she would marry, and she would say to the wow. Lord every day, mm-hmm. Please send me someone who will, at age six now, wow. send me a man who will love me, hmm. be faithful to me. Hmm. All that they had, a, there was an extended family crisis that prompted her to pray in that fashion. Yeah. And so her, her roots were deep in Jesus yeah. already. What did you ask me? I get to think about Sherry and I get distracted. Just talk about your calling to ministry. Yeah. So she's a key person in that. In yeah. fact, at age, uh, I was saved when I was 16, Unigrove Baptist Church. The guys invited me. Hey, Ken, they call me Ken, play ball uh, with us, be on the church team, but you got to come to church two Sundays a month. I'm like, cool, I can do that because I know they eat at least twice, and I'll choose the times when they're eating. When they're eating. And I'll wow. go. But sure enough, I got there, and I heard the gospel. And I love playing mm-hmm. ball anyway, but I, I would hear the gospel. Reverend Bud Gillett would teach, and his wife would disciple and uh, <clears throat> it was very good for us. It deepened, deepened us. Well, Sherry and I were married in 82, and we even before we married, and I think I was maybe about 18 years old at the time, she said, uh, she said I really believe you're going to be a pastor sometime. Mm. And I said, woman, wow. you're crazy. Mm. I will never be a pastor. Mm. And that's why I say never say never, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we were married in 82. I was 21. She was age 18. And we got more active in the church. Some of my teenage years, I had one foot in the world, one foot in the church. Right. And I didn't really, I don't think, really, really mm-hmm. settled to be faithful to God mm-hmm. and let him really be Lord of my life until we were married in 82. And she just challenged me. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> I didn't really think very highly of myself. And she would say, you know, you can do anything. and mm-hmm. God can use you. And God's got yeah. a good plan. And, you know, he can put it all together and that kind of thing. And challenged me to go back to school. <clears throat> So we started back to school. My first problem when I went and started to RCC Randolph Community mm-hmm. College was uh, my first problem in math class. I was doing developmental classes to catch up right. where I had been slothful mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, it was 5 plus 7. I remember that 5 plus 7 equals 12. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started from when wow. I went back, started back to school. In 80, college. 83 wow. in college. And uh, so I had a lot of catching up to do. Nonetheless, uh, as we became active in the church, we were working third shift in textiles. We were riding together and spending a lot of time together at work and home, back and forth. Then we're on the missions committee and serving as a deacon and getting really deeply involved in mm. the church. And then they said, would you be willing to teach Sunday school? And I said, oh, my, no way. I, I can't teach Sunday school. I'm scared to death. I'm, I'm, I have a fear of being speaking in front of people. 
And Sherry, once again, would say, well, sure you can. Uh, the Lord will help you. Uh, he can use you. And one day she said to me, she said, if you don't, if you don't teach Sunday school, who's gonna who's gonna teach those boys? It was a ten and eleven year old boy's Sunday school class, yeah. and I was the assistant, so I didn't have to teach every Sunday. But I tell you what, hmm. that was monumental for me. Yeah, when I committed to teach, hmm. I started digging in the Word. Oh yeah, I dig because I had to dig in, mm -hmm. and uh, I was nervous. I would have diarrhea. Sometimes I'd want to throw up on Sunday mornings. Sometimes I'd leave those boys sitting there, four or five of them, the other teacher in the class, say, I'll be right back. Go to the bathroom, use the bathroom, come back to class. Did it many times. Hmm. Just afraid, fearful, anxious. Yeah. I just, it was just hard for me. But God was honored in that. One hmm. Sunday morning, I was preparing real early in the morning uh, in, our, in the Seagrove where we were living in the, the home place there that we bought when we first were married. And I always studied in the dining room and <clears throat> I had my Bible open and the book of Acts, and where the man from Macedonia was motioning to Paul to come over oh, yeah. to mm -hmm. help him. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just as clear as it could be in my heart, mm. I knew wow. that was for me. And yeah. the Lord said, it's for you. Come over mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. help. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I began to, it was, it was a turning point. I began to analyze, and every time I was around a pastor, or someone in ministry, mm -hmm. I'd start throwing the questions to them, and I'd say, or can we go get lunch or something? I was so, just questioning, wow. just wearing people mm -hmm. out. On the inside, I was turning upside down. Yeah, Kept praying and mm -hmm. seeking the Lord, and in time, uh, you know, just it was more solidified day by day that God wanted me to, to, to obey Him in ministry. I call it vocational ministry, but we know that, call it ministry, that's for every yeah. believer, yeah. but sometimes I call it vocational ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, Sherry affirmed and supported me all the way. Was just so supportive. Did and I ever share with you my ministry call? It's very, very no. similar. Really? Yeah. Well, just in the fact I didn't want to do it uh, because I knew it involved some type of public speaking. Mm -hmm. So, like, the fear of public speaking was very real. I just assumed go out in the road and get hit by a bus. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to do it. Um and even then, you know, I think every time that you've asked me to speak, the I, I still just end up getting nervous. You know, I know mm -hmm. I'm well prepped. I've prepped throughout the week. Sure. Um, but didn't want to do it. Uh, I was going through the book. No, we were going through, um, it was a D-NOW conference in college. It was my freshman year of college. And the year prior to that, when I was serving senior as a high school senior in the youth ministry, I was teaching a bunch. Mm -hmm. And I remember the pastor there was Dr. Tony Latham. Okay. And it was right after Sunday school, and he was in there cleaning up some of his stuff. And he said, hey, Lance, I want you to give me a call when you go into ministry. Hmm. And I said, well, you're going to be waiting a while. Because <laughs> that ain't going to happen. And then we were on a D-NOW my freshman year of college. was in an unknown church. I don't even remember. I think it was in Owensboro, Kentucky. But I don't remember the name of the church. I thought I was coming as an aide. Mm. Somebody to wrangle students. And they oh, separated yeah. us, and I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And we were going over... The end of Moses into Joshua, okay. and how Joshua was just there, yeah. and I was in the upstairs, upstairs room of somebody's random house, and I was like, "He's calling me to ministry," and that's what I did. I surrendered called ministry right mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so mm. similar, kind of similar yeah, story. Yeah, that's there. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard you describe yeah, it. Yeah, didn't exactly didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And years ago, I would hear men say, "You know, men of God say, well, if you can do anything else, do it." 
Yeah. God will, it's kind of, mm. And that's an interesting thought. I don't know if I fully agree with that, yeah. but um, it's still worth thinking I had, about. I had a mentor mm-hmm. that did the same thing to me. He was trying to talk me mm-hmm. out of out it. Of it yeah. Out of it. He was, mm-hmm. But I think it was only like the first first one or two times we met. And then he understood. Yeah. It's like, I don't see myself doing anything else. It's the sure. only thing I'm going to do. I still believe that. I still believe that the the call to ministry really is a call to ministry. I don't. <clears throat> I, I hear some folks talk about you know I chose to you know go into vocational ministry mm-hmm. and I I really believe that really is is more of God. I do. Yeah. I still believe it's a mm-hmm. sacred thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not. It's just not something you can say. Well, okay. I think this I'll is do what that. I wanted. That wasn't yeah. my journey. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Uh, and it's not, I did, I'm doing this cause I'm good at it or I'm doing this cause I'm qualified though. You know, God gifts us. Most of my mentors are in that same kind of area to an extent that they weren't really looking at going into ministry and it was more of the Holy Spirit prompting them and pushing them. Sure. Them being kind of put in positions of leadership, Mm -hmm. not that they would ever... If I if I didn't know that it was a God thing, yeah, I can assure you I would not have made it um, yeah, these years. Yeah. And you know when you hit the low spots, and there's a lot of joys, but there are some low spots. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more than we would you know like to admit. Yeah. But in those times, <laughs> if it weren't for knowing that, mm. you know this is a God thing. Yeah. This is yeah. an eternal thing. This is a kingdom mm. thing. It is. I'll yeah. stand before God one day and I'll give an account. Mm-hmm. What do you do with what I gifted you and called you to do? Yeah. And I, that's as real was, as I know it can be. There was a guy here that I was trying to push into just teaching yeah. a little bit, and he says, God's not called me to do that. Right. He was just so, it's like, he was like, pointing me to the verse where it was like, they'll be judged with a greater strictness. And he says, I don't believe God's calling me to teach right now. Yeah. He said, maybe later on. He says, but right. that's not for me. Yeah. And so, it's a, yeah. sober, it's a sobering thing. Yeah. Very serious thing. Um, so we've got to wrap up. Our time has expired. Yeah. Um, and so the last thing that I want to do is uh, talk about book recommendations that you might have. Do you have any? If you don't, I've got I've got several. <laughs> you go ahead and do yeah. yours. I, okay. I, uh, I thought you might ask about that. And uh, <clears throat> I can give you one. Okay, give me one. I'll give you one that's not. It's one that, that helped change and help me after these years in ministry okay. that I would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And I've got many. But this the one that comes to mind that may help many who are a little older like me <laughs> in ministry <laughs> is uh, by Wayne Cordero. Okay. Um, Leading on Empty. Ooh. Leading yeah. on Empty by Wayne Cordero. Yeah. Um, that is the resource that helped me to know that I could take a sabbatical. I could never give myself permission Mm -hmm. for all these years, though I was very, very tired. Mm -hmm. Never burn out, but I was on the way to burn Mm -hmm. out and was pastoring here Mm -hmm. at the time. But uh, his book, I spent a week in Houston with Sherry. She was at a conference, and I spent the whole week in that resource, Mm -hmm. read and reread, and time in the Word and time seeking God. Mm -hmm. And when I came away from that trip to Houston, uh, it was... It was monumental, mm-hmm. and uh, he shares about his own journey, yeah, uh, which is uh, very helpful wow. as well. Anyway, mm-hmm. Wayne Cordero, okay. uh, 
leading on empty. Um, okay, so I've got two. One is for our members, because um, this is our first podcast, and this mm-hmm. is about joys of ministry. And you said that we needed some humor in our life, so I was like, oh, i gotta, I got to bring this one out. Okay, so this one is called How to Be a Perfect Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's by the Babylonian Bee. It is, uh, <laughs> it's quite humorous. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, satire pieces, all that is, um, because we know that a perfect Christian doesn't exist. At least right. we don't believe that here. Um and then this one's called the pastor's soul, the uh, the call and care of an under shepherd. Mm. Um, and so when we talk about being uh, under shepherds or pastors, people in ministry, just and just deciphering that call, mm-hmm. that book's very very practical mm. about how to mm-hmm. uh, lead lead the lead the flock well, and and kind of deciphering your call a little mm-hmm. bit. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Uh, thank you for coming. We may have to do a part two. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do a part two. Yeah, let's do and, a part uh, two. We're going to do some funny stuff one of these days because yeah. that's one of the challenges of ministry. It is joyful, but yeah. I I appreciate my brothers that I get to laugh with. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's a, we have a different kind of humor in ministry yeah. mm-hmm. that is good for us. Let me throw one more book out there, and I'll be oh, yeah. yeah. trying to close out. But uh, as a young, young man, uh, there's a resource entitled... Uh, out of the salt shaker and into the earth. You got some really cool titles. By Rebecca Pippert. Okay. And I read that as I was about age 22, 23. Uh, and uh, that's a, <clears throat> a life-changing resource as it relates to uh, not only your call, but that everyone, whether you consider yourself in vocational ministry or not, we're called to be salt and light. Amen. In yep. every minister. Every Christian is a believer is, is a minister. Well, I'm a bit of a motor mouth, so I'm yeah. gonna let you close. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna sign off, and so uh, thank you for being a part of My our pleasure. first podcast. We'll come back on. We'll do it again uh, at some point. Um, hopefully next week, you guys will hear from our other pastor, uh, Pastor Greg Pilson, the Doctor Swiss Army Knife, whatever you want to call him. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, so anyway, hope you guys a have one. a have a blessed and Jesus filled day. And, uh, we'll catch you.